Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, August 5th, 2019. I'm Tanner Green, and you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. We are continuing what is apparently a summer tradition around these parts, one of which is uh, scheduling conflicts between Caitlin and I. She's unable to record this week because she is off seeing Florida Georgia line. She sent me a couple videos. It seems pretty wild in a good way. Sounds like she's having a good time. And here in the studio with me to fill her absence that can never truly be filled but our guests can come close. We've got Tim Booth here in the studio. He is a returning guest to Chart Chat. How long ago was your last appearance when we were talking about James Blake, Tim? Oh, gee, it must have been uh, at least a couple of months ago, two or three months ago. It was a while ago, yeah. yeah. Uh, and for a little update, if you don't already know, Tim Booth is a fellow graduate student here at the University of Virginia in the music department. Dear, good, close friend. Also passed his exams. So he's one step closer to that juicy PhD. Glad to have you on board. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. And so we've got a kind of weird slate of debuts here for Tim, but we're going to make the best of it. Now it'll be great. But we do start with something less than great at number 94, and that's Mustard featuring Roddy Rich with the song Ballin'. At number 90, there's Mood Forever by Beyonce, Jay-Z, and Childish Gambino featuring Omu Sangare. At number 82... There's a track we talked about a number of weeks ago. Caitlin was really enthusiastic about. That's Hate Me by Ellie Goulding and Juice World. And number 76, we've got another song from The Lion King. That's Brown Skin Girl by Beyonce, St. John, and Wizkid, featuring Blue Ivy Carter. Number 69, we've got Taylor Swift with another new track from her upcoming album, Lover. This one's called The Archer. And number 52, we've got a slew of people on a song called China. And that's by Anuel AA, Daddy Yankee, Carol G, Ozuna, and J Balvin. At number 42, we've got a match made in some A&R reps, Dreams. That's Lil Baby and Da Baby with the song called Baby. And then from there, we jump into the top 40. Highest debut of the week, Sam Smith debuting at number 29 with How Do You Sleep? And we're starting there. Biggest debut of the week once again. Latest single from Sam Smith's upcoming third album, which we don't really have a ton of hard details on, but it does seem based on the buzz that it's going to come out sometime this year. And part of that buzz is because of Smith's massively successful previous single titled Dancing with a Stranger, which he and former Fifth Harmony member Normani took to number seven on the Hot 100 back in April. And that song is still at number 17 on the Hot 100 as of this recording, over half a year into its run on the charts. And it's a symbolically important song, too, kind of suggesting that Smith, at least in terms of the singles that he and his label are promoting, is going to go much more electronic and much closer to dance-worthy tracks with this new album. And at first, you might be thinking that this is kind of an abrupt shift, considering Smith's best-known hits are largely gospel-ish piano ballads like Stay With Me or 
the track he did for Spectre, Writings on the Wall. But in another sense, this is kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, Smith circling back to square one because Smith's very first appearance on the Hot 100 and on a commercial single at all was on a 2012 song by Disclosure called Latch, which eventually topped out at number seven in August of 2014. And now this week we get Sam Smith by himself on a track that sees writing credits from some of Ariana Grande's longtime collaborators, including Max Martin and Savin Kotecha. I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide if they hear any Ariana Grande resemblances in this track we're about to listen to. But for now, we're going to cut to the chase and listen to a clip. Once again, this is Sam Smith. How do you sleep? I gotta leave and start the healing. But when you move like that, I just want to stay. So if Dancing with a Stranger was the first sign of a musical shift from Sam Smith, How Do You Sleep confirms that the shift is not just some sort of temporary blip. And to really drive that home, listeners should go check out the music video if you haven't already. Shows Smith dancing with a bunch of men, got some hip action working. There's some really good stuff, even if there's a BMX half pipe that I don't entirely know why that's there, but it works somehow. And as for the song, there's a lot that works as well. There's a lot to like, and I think it's really a credit to Sam Smith's vocals that he can sound both good on a ballad and also on a dance number. I know I've said this about a lot of songs, but the low notes, those low notes he hits in the chorus, mm, there's, it's just buzzy, warm, sultry, really into it. And I've talked with a couple friends about this, and I can't fully put my finger on why, but the song almost kind of reminds me of George Michael, which I mean is a, a huge compliment. And I still can't figure out why that is, because they're not vocally that similar. George Michael's a lot breathier, but I'm going to continue to mull that one over. But man, the turd in the punch bowl that just really kind of ruins the song for me. That vocal manipulation, that drop that comes after the chorus. On its own, that would sound awful. But it's even worse when you combine it with the rest of the song. I'm just kind of speechless. It feels, I hate using dated as a criticism because that feels kind of lazy, but it feels dated. Like I feel like if you go back to 2015 or 2016, you have these sorts of annoying drops 
all over the place. I know on this podcast, Caitlin and I complained about uh, that Selena Gomez track that she did with Marshmallow, Wolves, having a kind of tacked on pointless drop for the sake of having a drop. And this is another really clear example of that where it's not integrated into the rest of the song. It's just kind of slapped on there and timbrally it just does not fit at all. And I wouldn't be frustrated if the rest of the song wasn't good, but the rest of the song is really good, really memorable, interesting melody, compelling vocals, great video. There's so much to like, and there's just that one part that just I hate. But Tim, I'm kind of complaining a lot. What's your take on this? Right. Well, the the drop was definitely the thing that caught my ears when I first listened to it. I wasn't totally psyched about the sort of bubbly synth that's used through the intro and into the into the verse just wasn't expecting that so personally it was quite compelling on on first listening and actually listening to it several times over the last couple of days the that vocal line that synthesized or that that pitch shifted vocal part has been stuck in my head like it's been that it's the gnarliest earworm that I've that I've been inflicted with for a long time so there's something about it. I mean, the change in, you might call it a change in texture. So with the chorus, you have got this really floaty kind of texture, um, lots of airy synths. I mean, his vocal range is right up there. And the bass itself is very, very much in the background. It's sort of a, a kind of, it's not a punchy bass. It's just sort of floating as well. And then you come to this drop, the texture change, changes completely. You have... Heavy bass, very clear, like a drum groove, and then this this pitch shifted synthesized vocal part, and that's pretty much all you're hearing. I mean, I say it's a change in texture. I think of it now more as like a change in in spatial evocation that the the track is doing. You start with this very sort of broad, this cavernous kind of space that's evoked by the the chorus and the pre and and the verse. And then you shift to the the drop, the bass drop, and all of a sudden the space becomes a lot more constricted. Everything's right up in your face, um, and, but it's all very sort of sparse as well. I mean, I see... I hear that happening all the time in EDM. I mean, this is just a real classic production technique for EDM producers, and you, you, now you see it all the time in, in EDM-influenced pop music too. But I just find it a really effective way to transport the listener when they're working their way through through a song. And I've been trying to put my finger on who this, or what song this exactly reminds me of, but I think, like we were talking about earlier, Tanner, the that kind of transition and, and particularly some of those sounds that you hear in the bass drop is so omnipresent in EDM from the last few years and, and, and pop music influenced by it. 
but yeah, I find it a a, a pretty compelling moment in the song. Um, I can hear hints of cheesiness in it. Maybe that's what's sort of grinding your gears, Tanner. But um, I mean, I'm just so fascinated by the way producers can transform the perception of space in electronic music. This is something so unique to electronic music. You go back to early Sam Smith records. This he's trying to evoke like a very an acoustic space, a very real space. Um, but with EDM, it's this total virtual space that is. Um, I think that's why a lot of electronic music is so compelling, so moving. It's this creation of a, a virtual kind of space which you can just kind of get lost in as a listener. Will this song turn you into someone waiting in the proverbial line to pick up this new album whenever it comes out? Well, uh, I have to say I haven't bought an album um, in probably about 10 years. <laughs> well, nobody buys albums, but if they still did, are you invested in Sam Smith at all? Are you invested in hearing more to come from him? Well, I haven't listened to a ton of his his music. I mean, I've heard his singles sort of just in passing. Yeah. Um, that uh, that early, that disclosure track that he was on, I think that's a great song. And I mean, I, I think he's a fantastic singer and it's great to see very strong vocalists finding their way into EDM because vocalists who specialise in this kind of music, they have their strengths, but just to see um, someone with such a broader range of not just in terms of pitch, but just in terms of um, ability and, and vocal technique, to see that being utilised in a in a more of an electronic setting is really interesting to me. I mean, his voice as well is very unique, and it reminds me a little bit of The Weeknd, and again, I just don't listen to a lot of that his music, but there's something really interesting about it. I mean, it's that sort of blurring of, of gender, it's the, the range, but you can't quite really um say well he sounds like this person or he sounds like that person he's got that he's got a unique voice that he's cultivated over a while and i'm interested to see what where he takes it as as he moves further into the sort of electronic realm of of pop music so we'll wait and see and speaking of talented vocalists we're going to move on to the cinema or rather an album accompanying a recent movie release we're going to talk about the recent remake of the lion king tim have you seen this film I have not seen the new Lion King film. I was watching the trailer just the other day and uh, it was like being transported back to, gee, how old was I when I first watched the original Disney? Probably five, five or six. And uh, I just forgot how freaking moving that film was. <laughs> like The tears were almost starting to form in my eyes just thinking about some of those moments just watching the blooming trailer. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to see it when I can. And... Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the soundtrack's been um, repurposed and, and extended in places as well. Well, I will eagerly await hearing from you because I probably won't go see it. And also, apparently it's not very good, which is kind of a shame because this album, The Gift, is really quite solid. Just like Kendrick Lamar did for Black Panther last year, Beyonce sort of oversaw the production and curation of an album of songs that were inspired by but not actually present in the theatrical release of the movie. And in doing so here, Beyonce draws from a wide range of musicians from the U.S. as well as different areas of Africa. And for this song in particular, Mood Forever, Beyonce brings in her husband, Jay-Z, and brings in Childish Gambino, and also brings in a sample of Malian singer Omu Sangare from a 1991 track. I'm going to apologize in advance. I know very little about this type of music at all, and I will probably butcher the name of the song. But again, 1991 track called Diorabi Nene. 
that's my best guess. Again, I apologize, but we're going to listen to a little bit of that sample. Keep that in mind in preparation for the 2019 version. So keep that in your ears. We're going to jump forward to 2019. Once again, Mood Forever, Beyonce, Jay-Z. We're not going to hear any Childish Gambino, but he is also on the track. Let's take a listen. We on our levels, that's a billy, a thousand milli First one to see a B out these housing buildings I be feeling like Prince in 84 Mike in 79, Biggie in 97 94 Nas, Alley, Kumbaya, no Kumbaya Just give me the Somalia, I'm on Latage Helmet when I just ski, you know the vibes hit my head so Tim has some thoughts on the musical specifics here, but I just want to briefly point out that one of the things that really jumps out at me here is how similar thematically this song is and a lot of this album is to Everything is Love. The album Jay-Z and Beyonce released last year as the Carters. You've got lots of themes of tight-knit familial bonds. You've got themes of affluence, rising above adversity, enjoying jet skis and whatnot with Beyonce doing the little in the background. Makes me giggle. Also makes me giggle when Jay-Z comes in with the, it's the sound of the price going up. It's also really good. But Tim, what do you think about this song? Oh man, this is a great track. And um, I mean, there's a ton of good songs on this, the album, The Gift, but this one really jumps out at me. The sample's fantastic. It gets used in a way that's familiar to me from hearing um, a lot of African Music, both traditional and more recent popular music, being sampled in in more of an electronic and and um, and hip hop space. But it's a fantastic little loop, and the the thing that, to my ears, really unites the sample with the vocal parts, especially Beyonce's, is this pentatonic phrases that she's using throughout the 
first. This is something you'll hear, this, this use of a pentatonic scale is just so prolific in a lot of Malian, West African uh, music, not just traditional music, but, but uh, popular music too. Uh, it's, to, to my ears, it's such a distinctive part of that sound, and to see her integrating that into her own vocal line, and just effortlessly, it doesn't sound forced or, or, or contrived. It's very, it's very persuasive as a, as a piece of pop music. The other thing I love about this, about her vocal part too, is when she shifts rhythmically from, uh, I think, is it the, the first verse to the second verse, or perhaps the verse to the chorus, um, she starts off with a very regular sort of eighth note kind of rhythm, very straight. And then making the shift to the next the next section, um, she goes into this triplet rhythm. And it's it really jumps out. It's really it's a real contrast rhythmically, but then it's it's not it's not awkward. And again, it doesn't sound contrived rhythmically. It also reminds me a lot of um, Kendrick Lamar's phrasing. These short little phrases that are that are um, kind of off the beat and using the same triplet and and very short little phrases. So um, I'd like I'm going to have to go back and listen to some more of his music and see um, where I can find that happening, but. It's certainly not just as if she's pulled this this kind of polyrhythmic thing from a, a West African traditional setting. You're hearing that same kind of rhythmic contrast being used in the most contemporary popular music as well, especially with talented rappers like Kendrick Lamar. Tim Boo, thank you again for coming in. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And if you on the listener end of things want to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can check out a Spotify playlist in the show notes. If you have questions, feedback, corrections, get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter. I posted a kind of lazy, sloppy mashup of Lil Tekka's Ransom and Famous Dex's Japan. So check out our Twitter for that at chartchatcast. We're also on Instagram at chartchatcast. Tell your friends you can download Chart Chat anywhere, or at least anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks to Coronation Media for a cover art and intro theme. Thanks to Teach.fm for having us on the network. If you want to learn more, visit teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hopefully the stars will align and Caitlin and I will be in the same metaphysical space next week. But until then, thanks for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green, and we'll catch you next week.